0: This is Elements of Style and I'm Cree Fitzgerald. In a time when it seems that fashion is for everyone, Raph Simmons underscored this position in an interview with Catherine Horne, post your breakup, saying fashion became pop. I can't make up my mind if that's a good or a bad thing. The only thing I know is that it used to be elitist, and I don't know if one should be ashamed or not to admit that maybe it was nicer when it was elitist. In this episode of Elements of Style, we'll address the question, who really runs fashion? and where the industry is headed. Who runs fashion? Is it a specific place, New York, Milan, Paris, person, or group of people? Let's start with the argument that men run fashion. In an article entitled, When Women Ran Fashion, its author, Joan Dijon, makes several distinctions about the fashion world, including saying that men, for the most part, have always run the upper echelons of fashion. In fact, beginning with Charles Frederick Worth. A designer who, in no uncertain terms, ran Parisian fashion at the end of the 19th century, men have largely ruled that particular roost. While men did and still do have a large role in making clothing for women, as Dijon notes, it could be argued that fashion became an industry in large part because female designers decided it was time to take a leading role in the production of high fashion garments. That same thing could be said of today, that men largely dictate the garments women wear. However, today women have a large role. Significant women designers, like Rosie Asseline are driving what women wear and leading trends within and outside the luxury market. So to argue that men still run fashion like they perhaps did in Louis XIV's Paris, it's very easy to argue against. Women dictate what they want to wear, and the people at the top, male and female, are listening. A particular place comes to mind when we think of who runs fashion. Paris. Dijon tells us why Paris still is, in fact, the fashion capital of the world.
1: People talk all the time and have done it for ages about other capitals uh, rising. Milan is often mentioned and will it it take over from Paris? I think the basic uh, bottom line on this, in which people still agree, is that no capital has replaced Paris. If you want to be taken seriously, you still have to show in Paris. Uh, If you want prestige, you still have to show in Paris. So it's still the place where people go to be for that official seal of approval from the fashion industry. So from that point of view, there's no question that it is. People also, I think, still care about what's seen in the streets of Paris. It's still considered a measure of what makes fashion.
0: So kind of looking further into what Dijon says in her book of how Paris became the fashion capital as today, she talks about, and I'm paraphrasing here, there wasn't really a sense of international fashion. It was not until Paris made its ascent to the capital of European style that fashion began to be exported, that styles began to travel more quickly from one country to another, and people began to look at Paris as the go-to for style and dress. So while Paris does still run fashion in terms of being the fashion capital of the world, there's much more at play when it comes to running fashion. Being involved in Fashion Week still has importance amongst fashion circles. However, if you think about the internet's role, it might not be as worth it for some startup designers to show at Fashion Week. Fashion Week is not the only way in which you can run fashion today. Lauren Sherman, who's a fashion journalist, acknowledged that Fashion Week is changing.
2: Fashion Week is changing, and it's it's kind of at this point it's it's pretty crazy the the number of fashion weeks that happened, and and you know designers are doing especially at the bigger houses eight full collections a year at this point. Um, and so that means even, even pre collections, pre fall resort, these are in between season collections that maybe, you know, the, the general customer hasn't ever thought about or heard of, um, those are all becoming events as well, whereas as they used to not be. So, um, having a presence as an editorial person at fashion week, you know, it, it's become it's it it's good for you it's good to be there and, and good to see close up close um as to whether you know your story is going to do better if or perform better on the internet if if you're there in person or if you're observing from you know 5,000 miles away I'm not I'm not so sure I think that that the internet is is democratized um who can have an opinion about fashion, and whose opinion is respected? Because it really just depends on who's reading. You know, who's how many eyeballs are on your page. Maybe you live in a small town in in northern Canada, but you have an interesting point of view, and and people are reading it. Then, then you do have a bit of influence. I think for designers, the other end, um, you know, Fashion Week is still a a really great marketing tool. Look at something like Chanel um, or Balmain; they're both um, French fashion houses that have benefited greatly from social media and and the the attention social media brings. Um, I think for smaller designers, it, especially somewhere like New York, where there are so many shows during Fashion Week, it's really easy to get lost in the shuffle and and to spend a lot of money on on a fashion show when you know you might have been better off just kind of creating a direct relationship with your reader or i mean with your customer or you know a direct relationship with editors one one by one um a fashion show can cost anywhere from ten thousand dollars to you know probably five million or or even more for the really really big shows in in europe so um it's it's an investment at every level and and you have to decide whether or not you're going to see a return on that and i think as more and more people show at fashion week and as there are more events around the pre-collections it's becoming more difficult to stand out and make it worthwhile and i think the idea that you know you don't need the hierarchy at all is it's we're not there yet but um there is an opportunity to reach people directly and and you look at something like a a manzer gabriel and they really you know they definitely got press in the beginning but it, it was more about people liked the product and and they started following them directly buying from them directly um so i think that there's an opportunity for smaller brands if if you're smart about you you have a great instagram account you have interesting um Snapchat would have you to to connect directly with a customer and kind of cut out that middleman. We've seen the rise of a lot of direct-to-consumer brands who are are really trying hard to not do wholesale, not sell to stores, um, and and just connect directly with the consumer to give them a, a better deal. You know, by by selling directly instead of selling to a store, you're able to lower your prices. Um, so a lot of younger designers or upstarts are trying to take advantage of that. The, the issue with that is that every nothing is free and marketing on the web is, is just as expensive as marketing, you know, especially for a small brand, As marketing through more traditional um, outlets, you know, search engine optimization and search engine marketing are both very expensive things. So if you're a young brand, you know... It, and you're, and you're talking directly to your customer, that's great. But at some point, growth becomes hard because, you know, you don't have the money to do a crazy email campaign or spend more money on Google AdWords that some, you know, a bigger company can afford. So um, in a lot of ways, it's really great. And it, it's a way to create, a, I, I guess you could say, a cult following or a, an early um fervent following but there, are you know at some point you you have to grow and and that that's the challenge with anything even even having that great direct um connection with the customer
0: does a particular person run fashion some say it's anew and tour Joan said,
1: I think that no one individual ever rules or controls fashion. I don't think she, Anna Wintour is like Worth in that Worth was actually creating goods and creating designs and styles and uh, working in collaboration with his clients. So it's a very different kind of thing of fashion, a couturier, and the kind of uh, influence on fashion that any great couturier or couturière, can have. And a winter, I would think, in some ways, is closer to uh, a great figure of the French court, in that she, the queens and princesses of the French court, or any great court, but the French court was really a very influential court for fashion through the, through the generations. And she's there um, giving her seal of approval to things. Uh, and I think her presence at fashion shows is much like that. Lauren goes further
0: in describing how the fashion industry has changed and how individuals and designers have a place in it today.
2: There are a lot more young designers. There are a lot more people who want to start their own brands. When, you know, I graduated from college in 2004, and that's around the time that Proenza Schooler launched, they, Proenza, Zach Posen, they were kind of, you know, of uh, my generation of young American designers, but there had not really been anything like that for a really long time, probably 15, 15 years. And even, even when Mark Jacobs and Michael Kors were coming up in the eighties, it wasn't as, um, just weren't as many brands. There were definitely brands. And if you look back at the CFDA Young Designer Awards from the 1980s on, you could see a lot of names, you know, a lot of names of of small brands that have died off. Um, But, you know, there's also been in the last 10 years, kind of a, a focus on entrepreneurship in the US. I think, you know, the global economy is so wild and, and, in the mid-aughts, I would just did a big piece on Harvard Business School. There are a lot of fashion beauty startups coming out of there. And um, 10 years ago, everyone who graduated from from HBS was going into consulting or into hedge funds. Um, and then, you know, 2008 happened and crazy crash and, and people started thinking differently about how to make money. I mean, also just the rise of all these crazy internet startups making so, so much money and, and, um, it, it became more normal to want to take ownership of your life. That's combined with the rise of the gig economy. So it just suddenly, you, you know, consulting as a young designer, the dream went away from running a big fashion house or being that design director at a big brand and, and went to, I'm going to consult for a bunch of brands and then also do my own line. I mean, that's what a lot of young designers in New York do. Um, and I think that's hugely different than, you know, even 15 years ago, even around 2000, that wasn't the norm, um, and in in a lot of ways, it's good. It means that people are more creatively fulfilled. But you know, running a fashion business is extremely difficult. It's really, 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 really hard to make money, and and I think um, people don't necessarily realize that. I also have noticed a rise in you know more traditional financing in fashion. It used to be that you know someone would get a benefactor, kind of like in the art world, to mm-hmm to support you and it didn't really matter if if the company didn't make money. Now, you know, private equity firms, VC firms, you know, individual investors are putting a lot of money into these fashion companies and fashion is retail in general, you know, apparel retail is a very fickle, difficult business and, and you have to have a real passion for it. And, and um, I think sometimes these more traditional investors see it as a glamour, a glamor glamorous move but they don't really realize how difficult it is to actually um see a return on it and, and you know when you go back and you look in the at the 90s and the formation of the conglomerates i think lvmh started in the mid 80s and you know caring came along it used to be called ppr that these things that changed the the way the european fashion companies worked but um the American fashion world really has transformed in the last 10 years business wise. And, you know, in a lot of ways, it's good for young designers and a lot of ways it's more challenging for them. And, and, um, you know, there are also just more people going to design school and, and that has to do with the fact that you can read about fashion on the internet and, and it's become a more, um, Naturally woven into general pop culture, but also like things like the Project Runway, definitely influenced. There's a direct correlation between the popularity of pop Project Runway and the <clears throat> um, and the applications that coming into schools like Parsons and FIT. So I think it's it's been a really interesting time for fashion in in the U.S. in particular.
0: Running fashion might be increasingly harder these days. What with juggling fashion shows, social media, the media, it's no wonder burnout has been a concern. It's part of a larger cultural change, as Lauren says.
2: So I, the burnout thing, I think, speaks to a broader cultural change. I think it's something that everyone is going through, not just in fashion, and you know. People are so disconnected from fashion, a lot of the general public, and they find it really difficult to um, understand or to, em- I, I guess, empathize with with what fashion is or really appreciate it. And in this circumstance, it's so interesting to me how reflective fashion is of the greater cultural climate. It, it, you know, right now, if, if you talk to creatives or, you know, anyone – who who's overworked people are kind of just one the the greatest thing the greatest luxury right now is to enjoy your life um it's become less i think after post crash people are much much less concerned with having you know the most expensive bag i think that's why we haven't seen a quote unquote it bag come out um in the last few years that was super expensive or you know Manzer Gabrielle bags are well. Many of them are under five hundred bucks. You know, the most expensive Hermes Birkin could be fifty thousand dollars. So I think I think one of the reasons we've seen less uh, less new it bags and and less of an obsession with that sort of thing is because people are just more obsessed with with life and with enjoying their life. So you're seeing a lot of wellness stuff come out. You're seeing people. Um, you know, exercising more. I think that connects with the rise of athleisure or, you know, just yoga pants and things like that. I think people really do want to take care of themselves and, and realize that, you know, why, why am I obsessing over status when, you know, the, the best thing I can do is enjoy myself. And I think that's what's happening in fashion. You know, we're, we're all really burnt out. Everyone's burnt out. These designers are, you know under a lot of pressure to do a lot a lot of work and and as a creative you know you you really do need time to think that may be one day a week that may be two two weeks a month but you really do need time to think or or nothing is going to come of it and I think um, I think a lot of these designers just realize they have enough money why are they doing this to themselves why like, what is the point? There's no, I think it used to be, a. you know, it, it's kind of, it's happening in media too. You know, why would you want to be the editor-in-chief of a magazine when, you know, what's what's fun about that when you can run your own thing or, or you, you know, run your own website or, or what have you or work for a cool brand? Um, and, and I think, you know... One thing I, I tweeted the other day, and it seems like a strange um, strange comparison, but when John Stewart left The Daily Show and, and the kind of rumored list of people who, who were up for the job came out, I think Amy Poehler was on it, and um, also Amy Schumer. And I think one of them, I think Amy Schumer kind of just said, why would I want to do that every night? Why would I want to, you know devote my life and one of the reasons Jon Stewart said he left was because you know he wanted to see his kids and it's kind of like Ralph Simons leaving Dior and, and trying to find someone to replace him. Sure there are, are qualified people but why would someone want to do that? Why would you know I think Albert Albaz when he left Lanvin, there was a you know he's a natural fit for Dior and he may well end up in that position.
0: change in the fashion industry. There's one thing for certain. Fashion is now more than ever for everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of Elements of Style.